Today is Teresa Pena, and Teresa comes from Mercy Care. And so I want to have you explain a little bit of what's your role at Mercy Care, as well as what does Mercy Care do for the community? Like Kathy said, my name is Teresa Pena, and I am the Cultural Sensitivity Administrator for Mercy Care. And what Mercy Care is, is a very, very comprehensive uh, organization that provides services in Maricopa County, parts of Pinal County, and parts of Gila County, as well as uh, uh, Pima County. What we do is we work with Medicaid funding, also Medicare, but uh, mainly with access members. And what we do is provide a comprehensive array of services, uh, integrated services, which means behavioral health services as well as physical health. All right. Mm -hmm. And then how is it that you interact? What, what brings you to today's conference? One of the main aspects of the service delivery for Mercy Care and the providers that we fund is that uh, services are delivered in a culturally and linguistically competent manner. So we serve a very wide, diverse population. Mm -hmm. And it's very important for us to support efforts in our system that promote that type of service delivery, which is exactly the case of the Cesar Chavez Annual Conference. We've been supporting it for many, many years, and we will continue to support it, mm -hmm. because the main takeaway for us in being present and sponsoring this conference is the fact that many of our providers, behavioral health and physical health providers, come here and they learn from the industry expert what is being done to address health disparities, to promote health equity, and to address the social determinants of health. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So as an organization, how does an organization find out your services and, and determine whether or not you're willing and open to collaborating with the service that they offer to the community? How, how do you broker that relationship? It is, um, it could be relatively simple or very complicated. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, we are one of the uh, Arizona Healthcare Cost Containment System, better known as Access, mm -hmm. uh, health plans. Mm -hmm. Mercy Care Plan was um, a health plan for um, the state for over 30 years. And then in um, 2014, also Mercy Maricopa Integrated Care won the Regional Behavioral Health Authority uh, contract, which is pretty much the behavioral health uh, mm -hmm. contract. And then uh, a couple of years ago, the Mercy's became one. So we are now on one of the integrated health plans for access, and we are Mercy Care, and we provide integrated, integrated health, pretty much. Okay, mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. sounds to me like a lot of change in just a short period of time. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other changes that you're navigating and you're dealing with that you weren't dealing with a decade ago? Um, right now, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of changes, but a lot of them are good changes. Okay. And a lot of those changes, uh, at the end of the day, fulfill 
what we all want to see, which is better services for members mm -hmm. in our communities. And I, I guess the biggest change right now is uh, what we call the Arizona Complete Care, which is the integrated uh, model of plans. Now we have seven in the Phoenix metro area. Okay. We are one of them. We are the only one that has the smaller contract that is what we used to call the RIBA, which is the behavioral health uh, uh, for individuals living with a serious mental illness. But I guess to answer your question, one of the biggest changes is that there is more health plans that are providing integrated care, really, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So what are the obstacles that you're facing on a day-to-day -day basis in order to um, grow your footprint and make a bigger difference in these communities? What are some of the obstacles that you have to navigate in order to get your services out there? Um, I... I think I don't necessarily think in, in terms of obstacles, maybe more in terms of challenges. Sure. Which is um, every day remembering that we have to go and meet our members where they are, mm. you know? And that is, I think, the best way to ensure that there is going to be true and sustainable recovery. When we work together with our members, with our providers, and with our communities in general, because our communities have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of agencies are out there that are working with the same populations that we are. So connecting the dots, I mm -hmm. guess, you know, with all these individuals that are also out there providing services to the same members that we provide. Uh, but, you know, if, if you know uh, state, state contracts and all that, what we do is uh, limited. You know, mm -hmm. we have a, a, a menu of services that we can provide. But sometimes that is only an aspect of the individual. There are other things, like when you're training or working with an individual, sometimes there are family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are issues like the social determinants of health, you know, uh, transportation, uh, safe spaces to exercise, and this and that. Obviously, there isn't going to be one agency or one individual that can uh, take care of all those things. However, if you work in collaboration with your communities and other providers and stuff like that, then we can achieve it. Sure. So I guess that is always a daily challenge. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's find those partners and let's make it happen. Right, mm -hmm. right. And and sometimes I think in, in this space, there can be a little bit of a competitive environment or, or maybe a better phrasing on that would be a scarcity mindset that there won't be enough. If, if this gets funded, then that won't get funded. And it can become a, a little bit of a, a pull or a strain on different agencies or organizations that prevent them from collaborating. So it sounds to me like you're able to pull those together, kind of synthesize it a little bit, and then go and see where those resources should be allo uh, allocated. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And, I, and I, I guess, you know, the biggest challenge is identifying those uh, collaborators. And um, I think... Um, I haven't felt in a competitive type of environment, right. but uh, definitely, definitely that collaboration spirit is there, mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully we are, you know, 
doing it on a daily basis and doing yeah. the best we can, all of us. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Teresa, share with me. I'm curious about your path because you're you're clearly passionate <laughs> about the work that you do yeah. and the cultural diversity and, and the impact that you get to make. What was your path? How did you get started in this lane? As a counselor, really. A mm -hmm. uh, family counselor. And then I did substance abuse counseling for a while, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then... Um, the opportunity to work directly with diverse populations came. I took it. I did it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then this opportunity to be an administrator came up. And I really, really am grateful for the opportunity of do it, doing it because when you can influence policy, when you can influence what is going on behind the scenes, you know, maybe it's not as visible as when you are seeing members and families on a daily basis, but the impact can be pretty great also. Mm -hmm. And it has given me the opportunity to meet and collaborate with people that think, you know, similarly, sure. and, you know, other administrators in other parts of the state. Right. Know, and that is very exciting. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, and it mm -hmm. clearly gives you an opportunity to exercise the experience and work within the wisdom that you've accrued um, over over the years. And Correct. so mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious, what are some of the biggest surprises that you have in this field uh, when you started as a counselor and now you're administrating, you're actually impacting the policy? Uh, what are some of those big surprises of hey, I wish somebody would have told me this before I said yes. Well, it's actually a good surprise. Okay. You know, and I still get reminded of it on a daily basis. In the behavioral health system, uh, there is a concept of peer support. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, um, that concept is now carried out in different instances of uh, any type of healthcare setting, healthcare delivery. But um, to me, learning that, learning that people with lived experience, and uh, I don't want to make a, a generalization here, but most individuals with lived experience are more than willing to support others that are yeah. starting the journey or that are at different spots in the journey. And, and that's the best kind of influence that you can have sure. because you, know, you can see, you can touch that recovery is possible. Yeah. So you can see that um, in the substance abuse world, we see it very often, you know, individuals mm -hmm. that recover in move on and sometimes become counselors, substance mm -hmm. abuse counselors. But in the um, mental health system, individuals that live with uh, a serious mental illness that achieve a level of recovery where they want to go out and support others, mm -hmm. you know, and th that is beautiful. Yeah. Th that is, and that is something that always motivates me to keep going because we have tangible proof that working together works, yeah. you know, and that peers are an incredible support in any system. Yes, yeah. and I've, mm -hmm. I've actually seen that play mm -hmm. out quite beautifully mm -hmm. uh, in the Clemmer Leadership Seminars where Taros has, has worked with us for about eight years now, mm -hmm. uh, and many, many of the team members from Taros Health were once patients or clients Correct. of Taros, mm -hmm. and now they're walking in after their peer training program mm -hmm. and education and um, certifications that come yes. through, mm -hmm. they're providing that lifting up experience. Mm -hmm. They've walked mm -hmm. there in their shoes and they're able to relate and build that trust so quickly yes. uh, within other 
people in need. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. so dynamic. Another excellent example is that of that is individuals involved with the criminal justice system. Yeah. And when there is somebody waiting for them to start that journey after mm-hmm. the you know doing whatever they needed to do or taking care of whatever they needed sure. to take care of and then taking that opportunity and just going you know so when right. you have a peer when you have somebody that knows what it's all about it presents a totally totally different future well yeah. and it mm-hmm. makes sense that it would work so so well in integrated and and mm-hmm. behavioral health because it works in business in businesses uh, when you're starting out um, with a new corporation the first thing they want to do is assign a mentor to you Correct. Right, uh-huh. someone who's yeah. been around the block, so you don't have to make those same mistakes twice, um, and also be there during those tough times. And so it would make sense that it would also uh, play out quite beautifully in this arena. Very true, no mm-hmm. doubt. Yeah. Um, so one of the areas, because this can be a tough field to yes. work in and to excel in, but also not get burned out in. How do you coach folks to? address compassion fatigue and get themselves out of well maybe first explain what is compassion fatigue uh, for (laughs) listeners that aren't familiar with that term that is very common on uh, the helping professions Mm -hmm. because um and I think everybody can relate to the example when somebody is uh, caring for a disabled individual or an older adult or you know that type of thing, that sometimes you become so involved that you start to forget about taking care of your own needs. Sure. You know? And uh, maybe not your immediate needs, like, you know, uh, uh, food and self hygiene and stuff like that, but other things, you know, like your your own mental health, your own wellness, mm-hmm. you know. I, I feel personally very blessed uh, to work for an agency where uh, wellness is at the forefront of everything uh, we do, you know, mm-hmm. so in they uh, uh, Mercy offers a very, very wide variety of activities where we can take care of ourselves. Um, you know, very uh, accessible uh, gym services, you know, mm-hmm. groups, you know, meditation, mindfulness, wellness. But a lot of our providers do that as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our providers uh, offer classes, seminars, trainings for people on how to self-care, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a lot of people, that is kind of foreign. It's like, wait a minute I am the caregiver what are you talking about <laughs> we are talking about you to continue to be a caregiver but you know starting with be, making sure that you are well yourself sure so and we have uh, that type of um help for not only for counselors but also for uh, parents foster parents or uh, in our system we have what we call the kinship foster you know which is families coming Uh into most of the time uh, grandparents and so learning about self-care and applying it Uh so uh, I think we may not be there yet, but we are definitely taking the right steps. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the environment overall is um, very warm and at least inviting uh, to self-care in so many different walks of life. Correct. So um, we have a blessing today of being on this beautiful Arizona State University campus west mm-hmm. in Glendale, mm-hmm. and it is lovely. What message might you want to share out with some of these students that are walking around in their 
taking their behavioral health <laughs> classes and their psychology classes, and they really have a burning in their heart to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be some wisdom that you would uh, impart to those students? Definitely participate in events of this nature. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily, at least in the conferences that I'm involved here in Arizona, uh, most of them have a discounted price for students, if not free. Okay. Cesar Chavez, by the way, is totally free. Yes. You know, thanks to the sponsors. Yes. So, and I hope, you know, thank them from the bottom of my heart so they keep supporting us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that way we can ensure that uh, students in the behavioral health realm take advantage of those things. Mm-hmm. There are other um, uh, conferences that also call for uh, poster presentations, for participation. You know, students go and learn. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to these people that have been doing this for decades, you know, and get a little bit more um, uh, aware of what's going on, of what some of the barriers are, but also some of the successes, because I think we nurture from that. It's like that, that when we hear success stories, it's like that motivate us to keep going and to know that si se puede, you know, it can be done, it can yes. be achieved, so let's do it. Yes, so. mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, I could listen to you all day long. Um, <laughs> I, I have... can talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is there a particular question, is, is, is there a message that you want to make sure that before we wrap up today that our listeners do hear about the initiatives that you have, a topic that's on your heart that I haven't uh, touched on today? What else would you like to share? Invite people to visit our website. Okay. And uh, we are www.mercycareaz.org. Um, uh, and uh, we have tons of information right there. And if you give me a second, I will also love to thank Taros because mm-hmm. they are the main sponsor of this conference and they have been for 15 years. And I am incredibly grateful to them, to Peggy Chase, their CEO. She's amazing. And uh, everybody in the team and everybody in the organizing committee because taking this message is very important it doesn't get old quite the contrary is very very necessary Mm -hmm. so we can reach our communities Mm -hmm. our young people our anybody and everybody so and I thank you guys for the opportunity to talk to you guys of course Mm -hmm. well and I'm glad you mentioned Peggy's name I had a chance to chat with her recently Mm -hmm. um, just a few interviews ago and someone asked me before she interviewed um, who is that and I said well she's the president and CEO Mm -hmm. uh, at Taros Health Mm -hmm. and Peggy's is a numbers lady she was trained as a chief (laughs) financial officer Mm -hmm. she knows her numbers she knows how to slice and dice a matrix Mm -hmm. But just as importantly, she's a people person. She is. So Mm -hmm. that combination of numbers and humanity and Mm -hmm. compassion, it's hard to find. And I can't think of a better person to be running this organization and Mm -hmm. really expanding the footprint in the community to make a real Mm -hmm. difference. Because Taros is changing lives. They're not just inspiring. Mm -hmm. They're changing lives and saving lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you a trivia about Peggy. You can ask her about any aspect of this conference and she'll know it. Oh, I know. Because she's involved yes. in every detail. So, yeah, yes. th- and that is awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's also a phenomenal delegator. I'm learning how to delegate <laughs> yes. better when it comes to, to just watching Peggy in action. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Teresa, thank you so much today for coming, sharing with us about Mercy Care. I love that the fact that the word care is mm-hmm. actually in your organization's name. Yes. And thanks mm-hmm. for sharing your wisdom and your gifts with us today. Thank you very much for your time. My mm-hmm. pleasure. Mm-hmm.